how do you penetrate a market through numbers, obviously, and people in the best way possible. And constantly calibrating how you approach a market with a bootstrap company in a highly competitive environment. So how do you make smart decisions in an environment that is uh, becoming increasingly crowded by competitors while being bootstrapped? Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is uh, Miglor. I'm the CEO of Clerk and you're listening to the B2B SaaS CEO podcast. Hi and welcome, Mikkel. Thank you very much, Joseph. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm not complaining. Nice. And first thing first then, let's jump straight into it. Can you please do the elevator pitch for your company? What does Clerk do? Yeah, so Clerk basically, it's a, um, we are in the intersection between consumer traffic online and products. So, um, and then we're the AI between that. So whenever you search for a product, on an e-commerce site, uh, our software enables you to find whatever you're looking for. Uh, and that is that is done across uh, four pillars. It's the search, and that's the basic commodity, so to say. So that's uh, instant search, spell correction, all that stuff. And that's the recommendations that recommends uh, uh, related products. It can be very different algorithms in terms of uh, recommending products associated with whatever you're looking at uh, in order to keep your uh, journey continuing. And we have the audience product, which is a... Uh, similar to a CDP, customer data platform, where you can you know, cut the audience and, um, and reach out to them in an effective manner. And then finally, we have, uh, we have the email product, which is a, an AI-based email product that enables you to send out you know, targeted emails rather than just spamming the whole newsletter uh, via various flows. So that's what we do. We enable retailers to uh, improve their uh, KPIs with very little effort. Nice. And if we for a while then uh, stop with the spotlight towards Clark and uh, shine it towards you, Mikkel. Who is Mikkel? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a Danish guy, mid-30s. Uh, international background. I spent uh, six years abroad in, in, in London and Munich. Then I, uh, I have a very, I have a fascination for both sports and financing. So uh, I, did, uh, I played some football in the younger years. And then afterwards, I, I did my studies. Master in finance and accounting. Uh, did M&A. And ultimately, I came to a, a place where after having done M&A for 10 years, I wanted to try something new. And then, you know, uh, I spoke with the founder of Clerk and, you know, we, uh, he was more of a technical uh, founder and I came with the, the strategic angle. So we decided to, uh, to team up. Um, and ever since then, you know, since 2020, uh, I've been at Clerk initially as the CFO, uh, rolled out a, a three-year strategy plan where we quickly grew from 20 to 180 people. Uh, and now I'm the CEO. I've been that for the past, yeah, almost two years. Um, so that, that's Mikkel, father of two. And uh, now it's time for a segment called Five Quick Ones. And here you need to be quick, Mikkel. Just the first thought or sentence that pops up when I say this word. So are you ready? Yeah, I think so. Okay, there we go. Number one, personalization. Clerk. Sauce. Lost. 
Email. Can be better. AI. The future. And uh, summer. Love. You were really sharp. Like, yes, one word, not even a whole sentence. It's time for leadership then. Because in my podcast, I have leadership and much around business development. And first thing here in leadership, Mikkel, are you a good leader? <laughs> I think I'm a modern leader. Uh, you know, when I would say, you know, looking at, at the ENPSs I get from my team, uh, you know, uh, employee net promoter score, I, uh, I think I'm doing quite well. Um, but am I, I'm, I'm a very, to be honest, an inexperienced leader that's doing his best to, uh, to be very transparent about what I'm good and, and bad at, which I think positions me quite well in terms of uh, the society we live in today. So, yeah, so I, I think I'm, um, I am a talented leader. Let's put it, let's put it like that. And uh, if we put it like that, I want to know about superpowers and take this one a little deeper now. Uh, so what would you say are your main two or three superpowers as a leader? I think I'm very approachable. So there's no high horse which gets people to, to connect with me and get them to fight for whatever vision that we share. Then I think I can uh, have a very high stress and data capacity. I can have a lot of data and I can have a lot of things on my table while still keeping a clear head. And the last one, I, I think also I'm quite visionary. I think I have a good stomach feeling, you know, a sixth sense, you could call it, that I combine with my the, the knowledge I gained from M&A in order to like position us in the best way possible in terms of identifying growth pockets and all that. I'd say that's the, that would be my, my three, three things. And is this something that you, uh, have you always been like this for like 20 years or is this a muscle you have developed over now the last years? I think the beauty about SAS, I always enjoyed playing strategy games when I was younger. Uh, and SAS, it, it, all strategy is based on data. And the SaaS industry coming out of the internet is very data-based. And one of my key strengths is being able to see patterns in, in data. So I think, yes, I've always been, I've always been like this. Uh, and then the industry that fits that personality uh, arised. So it, it was, uh, so yes, I've always been like that. But it's not like it's, um, yeah, it's not like, it's not, not something I've trained, but it's just personality-wise. Interesting. Now it's actually time for the first external question because I in my podcast I lived in one or two external people uh, and this is from somebody yeah. called Rasmus Sanne a takeover yeah. and this is his question. Hi Mikkel, what's the number one thing you look for when evaluating talent to hire? Some kind of uh, inner drive. It doesn't truly matter how talented you are. You have the drive. You can get there. So I. I, I would always be looking for the drive and then the chemistry also, obviously, but you need to be able to showcase that you want it and that you are willing to um, go the extra mile, whatever, whatever gets you up in the morning. So if I can, if I can identify that drive and if that drive can be triggered by what we do, then, then, then they will be a far ahead of, of, of people that might have a better CV or be more talented or whatever. I'm looking for the drive. And since Rasmus isn't here with us, he just recorded his question to you in beforehand. Uh, I can do an, a follow-on question for him now. In what best way do you uh, see the drive or message? Is it like case or uh, how, how do you figure that out as best as possible? 
Yeah, how can you identify drive? It's not like, again, back to the data part. That's not necessarily something you can spot through data. We do tests. So we do some personality tests depending on the role. But apart from that, it's 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 also some kind of like the managers I have here, they know exactly what I'm looking for. So it's important. I'm not, I only participate in, in, in the hirings of, of, the, of the management. Uh, and, and then the HR knows exactly what, you know, based on all the personality tests we've been doing, uh, combined with all the uh, interviews they have been conducting, that gives them a good I- idea of kind of like, depending on the role, what personality profile would fit the best in terms of getting, you know, the entire organization to uh, to perform at a, at a high level. Rasmus, thank you for your questions. And Mikkel, thank mm-hmm. you for the input. And uh, actually now the second external question will already come here now when we still are in the leadership segment. Uh, so so I, I we go with this right away. And now it's time for Lina Elmsatter at Grittify. And this mm-hmm. is her question. Hi, Mikko. My question is, how do you ensure psychological safety in your workplace? A specific example, I think, again, it, it's it's a matter of how how you are as a leader, again. Uh, so for me, it's so important that there's visible hierarchy at work. So I sit uh, just like outside here next to everybody else. And, and you know, just being able to be, be in an environment where you feel safe, to say what you feel. There are some pros and cons with that. Uh, the con is that sometimes it can be exhausting. The pro is that I have an organization, hopefully, that always feel like they can say what they feel without you know, fearing for the consequences of that. And that's, I don't, there's no like, example that is just on an everyday basis that people can come uh, straight to me or, or straight to whoever, the manager, and tell them how what they feel uh, and be very transparent also about personal issues and ultimately, I hope that that, that that creates some kind of, of psychological safety. Then we have the more formal stuff, the whistleblower and all that stuff. But I would say on an everyday basis, the way we behave as, as, as within the management team, it's very important that feel, people feel psychologically safe to, to be themselves. Good. And Lina, thank you for the question. And now it's time, Mikkel, for us to wrap up the, with one last question here in leadership. And this mm-hmm. is that I need you to summarize. Leadership from your point of view with one word, what would that be? Performance. Then leadership is all about performance. And we move on. This means that it's now time for a topic of your choice. And the framework here, Mikkel, is that I will now sip it and you will have a couple of minutes to talk about something that you are truly nerdy and passionate about. And the floor is yours. I would say... um... Business-wise, again, going back to the data uh, that I'm very, very nerdy about, um, it would be, you know, the, how do you penetrate a market uh, through numbers, obviously, uh, and people in the best way possible. Um, and, you know, constantly calibrating um, how, you, how you approach a market uh, with a bootstrap company in a highly competitive environment. Uh, so how do you make smart decisions in an environment that is uh, becoming increasingly crowded by competitors uh, while being bootstrapped? Um, so I, I'm very, very nerdy about identifying these growth pockets, constantly trying to identify, you know, uh, these small growth hacks, just, you know, who's the, 
who's which competitor struggling you know which uh, and and how come how can we utilize that uh, which competitor strong and how do we avoid going into their territory so to say uh customer wise you know uh what what segments are strong where's the buying power uh, uh now who's most optimal for uh, for converting from monthly to yearly contracts uh Looking at the industry, the the, uh, the markets, how is the GDP per capita? How does it play together with our price point? Uh, all that stuff is something that I'm extremely nerdy about, and also to the extent where I need to be aware of it. <laughs> As you said, you know I, I, that uh, you know playing back this interview, there's uh, you know data. I guess is is the overwhelming topic, uh, and that's um, that's something I really enjoy. Uh, Again, I'm very, very transparent, as I also said initially, about my strengths and weaknesses. And I try to surround myself with people that are strong where I'm re- weak. Uh, and I'm extremely strong on the data part. That's no secret. And that's what I'm nerdy about. And then I have uh, very, very experienced uh, leaders on, uh, on, on, on different skill sets. And like you just said, uh, I see a clear thread here. I, I, I see a clear red thread in this episode. It will most likely maybe be named... Your name, clerk, of course, and then how to work with data. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that uh, that that uh, that, uh, that summarizes myself uh, quite well. Uh, so yeah, I'm very very into data. I love data, but I'm also very aware of the human side of data. So you know, data is just one signal, and then there's everything else that's you know affected through face to face human contact, and that's why I constantly try to calibrate a clerk as a business. Nice, and uh, thank you for sharing about a topic of your choice that I will name data. And it's time for business development. First thing here, which top KPIs on a company level are the most important for you? And why have you chosen them? Okay, so first of all, revenue growth. Obviously, I need to understand if my top line is growing. Then the payback time, you know, how quickly am I getting my money back? Uh, and thirdly, uh, uh, cash flow. Am I maintaining a, a minimum and neutral cash flow position? So can I have growth with quick payback without earning money? Then I'm a happy camper. And if we think of it as a product KPI also, what would you say are the main one top KPI from a product perspective? It's important for us to have uh, uh, internally regressions. We don't want to... Uh, the, the fewer regress- regressions we have, the stronger the product we have. And then we will have um, frustration-free frustration free sessions. So we are monitoring a lot how clients are, are utilizing our software and trying to identify if, if there's any uh, what we call frustration sessions where, you know, the, the, I think the simplest example is, is um, rage clicking on a website. Like if something doesn't work, you start clicking faster. Yeah. Uh, that's that's an, uh, that's an example of frustration. But we monitor it very well, and then we monitor uh, how you use the product. So for frustration-free sessions uh, uh, externally, internally, fewer regressions, and then obviously, do you, uh, how often do you uh, do you use the product? So is it something that's basically bringing value on an everyday basis? If we then move forward to go to market you already tapped a bit into that you have a nerd interest in that regarding a topic of your choice can you share some of your best mm-hmm. practices around building a go-to-market machine yeah uh, i think the beautiful thing about being within SaaS is that it's very very easy to go to market 
compared to if I were selling candies or whatever. So for us, it's about identifying uh, where are we getting traction organically, trying to see if we can find similarities between new markets and existing markets, identifying our, our strength, uh, strengths and weaknesses in uh, you know, markets that are uh, similar. And then afterwards, we need to have a product market fit and we need to have a market that's digitally evolved enough to take on our product. And that's more of a research where you use different studies and ultimately we need to understand whether or not there are the, the required purchasing power to use a software such as ours. So to take clerk, right? Um, just, just an example. Before you shop online, you need to trust, you need to have uh, access. So there are some, not that much anymore, but, but there, there's still some Eastern European countries. We focus on Europe. Uh, there's still some Eastern European countries where access to internet is, is not fully there. The infrastructure and all that is still being built so that's that's important uh secondly you, you afterwards you need to have a developed e-commerce market again it's not a big issue especially after corona where everybody went online then when that's covered uh you need to you know trust all the payment gateways and all that stuff you need to be used to putting your card details in there so you're shopping online basically then when the e-commerce and the, you know, the consumers are at a, at a certain level we need the, the, the companies to take the next step in their evolutionary uh, you know, journey. So that means that start using you know, uh, software tools that can further develop their, their e-commerce business. So, and when they're at that point, you know, they start to be ready to, to take on Clerk. And then ultimately, we need to obviously have a growing market and all that stuff. But that, you know, overall, it's not that difficult to find growing e-commerce markets. Uh, so, so I think when that's in place, then it comes to ourselves, and there we have a specific plan on how to enter the markets. We, um, I go to it as, as a horse race, so I prefer to use, to open several markets at once, uh, so I can quickly uh, see which horse to bet on uh, and which horse to uh, to pause, so to say. And then as soon as that horse, we can see that the uh, again all the data points are showing that we are doing the right stuff and all the material associated with that uh, specific country is in line, then we, uh, then we push on. So that, I'd say that's, um, that's how we go about at least how we identify markets and, uh, and et cetera, and how we again uh, behave internally. Okay. This was super interesting. So what I heard, what I heard first is find the right ICP and you clearly have done that since you're growing fast, etc. And then many markets at the same time and you can we pause here for a while and just like can, can yep. you share some best practice here rolling out let's say three or four T take me through this quick journey very, yeah. very quick summary so the way we go about it we try to to it's again it's about CAC so cost acquisition cost and the payback as I spoke about yeah. um it's all about making it as cheap as possible to to test as many markets simultaneously as possible. It's the same as, you know, to some extent, just to my candy analogy. So if you have a new you know, candy where it test, gives them some test people, and if they like it, then I don't know. Uh, Denmark, there's more the, the, like, the likelihood of, of you know, the taste buds being you know, attracted to that is higher than, let's say, I don't know, the Netherlands, whatever. Yeah. Then I, I would push it in that direction. So again, we would typically hire uh, some cloners or uh, business development representatives. So typically, uh, you know, uh, uh, very intelligent uh, university students uh, that 
has this you know, modern thinking, has a very good understanding of e-commerce, uh, and then we train them to become good uh, salespeople. And again, it's not, a, it's not expensive because it's typically uh, hourly workers, and it's typically something where you don't offset the organization if, let's say, it doesn't work out, that you can quickly you know, calibrate your cost base without uh, you know, disturbing the organization too much. And then we have some very, very clearly defined milestones in when do we then hire the next person, when do we hire the, the AE, when do we hire the CSM, when do we hire the onboarder, when do we hire the supporter, all that stuff that then supports that specific country. But, you know, so we would like to, to uh, and again, it's, it's all about, again, it depends on where you're coming from. We're coming from a bootstrap you know, uh, uh, state of mind. And there it's all about doing as, as, as cheap as possible, even though I don't like that work. That word, um, oh, as so, okay. So, what I'm hearing, what I'm understanding, uh, several markets at the same, uh, same time, maybe do some paid, hire a few, uh, like mm-hmm. uh, right to drive uh, young salespeople, and then test shoot the balloons, mm-hmm. but don't take too much focus from the yeah. uh, core organization. And then the, the go get uh, the markets with the greatest data, you double down with AI, CSMs, etc. Yes, and, yeah, and then we move the money from those markets that don't perform so to say versus and then move it into the markets that perform um and then obviously it's also about the different uh, channels so um let's take uh, the uk as a gatekeeper market uh so there is more important to to uh to enter via you know, partnerships inbound uh whereas let's take denmark and the netherlands is much more of outbound countries uh where we can be uh, more aggressive on the phone, so to say. And then you have Germany, which is uh, which is a very difficult market because it's so big and it's so immature, uh, and everybody is attacking it uh, not simultaneously. So there again, it's a lot more about inbound because outbound is not you no know, uh, effective, or at least it's very very expensive. Um, so again, it's all about calibrating the different markets. Each market is their own company, so to say, within the company. Good, and I love how you already entered one of my uh, questions moving forward regarding sales channels that work the best. So we have UK Gatekeeper, there you go, partnership and inbound, Denmark and the Netherlands, more outbound, Germany is like all over the place. And uh, then if I'm gonna uh, ask you now regarding outreach, what would you say is the best way to do outreach to you? If you are a salesperson listening to this, or for me, etc. I think that the key thing is just make sure that it's very visible that you've done your homework. There's so many generic emails, calls, etc. LinkedIn. Don't get me started. But people are just spamming. You know, with the shotgun model. Use the sniper model. You know, spend the time. No, find out, like, again, ICP-wise, like, what's your top X targets and spend the extra amount of time. It's not about getting there the fastest. It's about getting there the most efficient. So, for example, for Clark, you know, do your homework in terms of you know, related companies that's been using, let's say, a piece of software that's uh, that's also been being, that you're trying to pitch in too much to me. Or it could be, you know, have some case studies about, you know, specifically how you uh, assisted someone. You know, just be... um. Be thorough, you know, respect, you know, take some ownership. That's, I think that's also, um, that's some of the things I'm also preaching a lot in at clerk is that, you know, there's people just spamming each other these days uh, without any intent, just, you know, 
yeah, it frustrates me a bit. <laughs> but we got several great things here. Make sure that yeah. it's quickly visible that you have done homework, no spamming, ICP wise, and put a bit more extra time. And if you have case studies or other facts with uh, relatable or similar companies or markets, at least. We are leaving the business development segment, at least for this time, and entering the roundup. And now we only have three questions left. And the first one here is just basically me getting inspiration to new upcoming cool guests with the help of you. So which other two B2B SaaS CEOs do you think are inspiring and doing cool stuff and would like to listen to if they were interviewed here? I kind of associated with uh, my own industry. So there's a guy called Emma. Uh, he's the CEO of Agilic, which is a Danish uh, listed com company on a, on the um, First North Exchange. Uh, and then there's a guy called Frank, who's the CEO of a company called Price Shape. I think both of them are doing uh, quite uh, inspirational stuff and also um, someone that are inspirational to, to listen to. Uh, so I, I think those two would be uh, some quite cool guests of yours. Thank you. Second last question then. And now you're talking to yourself. If you would give yourself, when you were a younger CEO, one to three top things to think of that you now know that you didn't know, what would you tell yourself? Um, trust your instincts. Continue to surround yourself with, um, with, uh, with good people. And I think one of the things that's truly been fascinating for myself in, in this journey, which I was touched upon a bit earlier in, in this call, is that, you know, you know, one plus one can truly become three if you, if you are different. You know, uh, from my work with an M&A, we were all so alike. And I thought, you know, that was the way forward. And I, I truly got my eyes open for, you know, complementary skills rather than substituting skills. That's, 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 that's really cool. Uh, much more cool than being good at the same area. Yeah, again, trust the instincts in terms of, you know, uh, the data-driven part where I, you know, the sixth sense to some extent has proven right so many times. And then I would say, be, be quick to give away responsibility. You know, again, we were 20 people initially when I joined and we became 180 so fast. And it and because there's so many new people, it was very difficult to to, to hand over responsibility which meant that they couldn't accelerate as fast as possible the, no, the, 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 the second layer management team, so to say. Um, and they are, you know, having a, a, a proven model for training new people and, and, and handing over responsibility. I'd say those, that, that would be my three things. And we have arrived, Mikkel, to the very last question. Where will Clerk be in five years? Clerk will be a household name within e-commerce. Clerk will be a top three European vendor within personalization. And then it will be the best place to work within e-commerce. That's, that's something I really would like to. I'd like to be very successful commercially while maintaining a really, really nice, friendly, professional performance environment. Uh, within the, uh, the employees and organization. Something that's inspiring. You need to be inspired every, every day you come to work. That that would be my goals. And I wish you the best of luck with that, Mikkel. <laughs> and now I'm quickly shifting the focus to you who has been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, if you got some sort of value here from Mikkel, please tell a friend or a colleague 
to listen to the episode with Mikkel. And thing number two, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming here every week. And Mikkel, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the SaaS community and me to keep on learning. You're welcome.